welcome to another episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick and I'm here with Trevor. On each episode of Ghibli Jabber, we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and a newbie, that's Trevor. This week we're talking about 2014's When Mani Was There, directed by Hiromasa Yonabayashi. The film follows 12-year-old Anna, who is sent to stay with relatives in the Japanese countryside. While there, she meets Mani, who may or may not exist. Spoilers, the answer is both. Before we talk about the movie, we should mention that this will be the last film that we discuss for the podcast. Uh, We considered covering the 2016 Ghibli co-production, The Red Turtle, which is a movie I really enjoy, but it kind of feels a little bit too far removed from the traditional Ghibli product. Um, And we also saw Goro Miyazaki's Earwig in the hit cinemas this year, Uh, but that's kind of hard for me to access in Australia, and also it looks terrible, so we've decided to skip that too. So (laughs) this will be the last one, the last movie we discuss. So here we are at the end. We'll do our standard retrospective for the 2010s next, uh, and then one last final episode to discuss Ghibli in total. But for now, uh, Trevor, what did you think of this final film? Um, few things. I thought that this one was beautiful, um, which is you know standard across all these films. But another thing that stood out to me is, is that immediately I was like, oh, here we go, another twelve-year-old, and I was like, oh, maybe this one's a school drama. Maybe it's another love story because the cover of it makes it look like that. Um, and so I will say I was pleasantly surprised that it was none of those things. And it kind of grappled with acceptance and d- depression and anxiety, um, which are aspects of maybe some of the prior films. But I think that this film really put those those things to the forefront and delved into them a little bit deeper, which, you know, we've discussed throughout this entire podcast that I really, the, the films I enjoy the most are the ones that are very character driven. And if I get to understand someone's plight in life, someone's ooh, the, the shoes that they, that they stand in and how they cope with that or the journey that they go on to accept themselves or come to terms with something that they're never going to be able to change. And so I thought that this one was... Or realize that the person that you were talking to was your grandmother from the future and you made <laughs> her up and you're crazy. Like that's, that's a good thing to find out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Like you're absolutely nuts. Um, no, actually, you couldn't put on something that I love. I, I'm not a very religious person, but I'm, I'm a spiritual person. And so I think that there's a there's an aspect of spirituality in this that's very forefront and uh, uh, yearning to know who you are and the connections that you have in life and where you came from. And so I also really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um there are certain points that felt like it was getting a little monotonous to me. I will say, like going to and from the mansion a lot like i feel like there could have been some condensed moments where we didn't have to do a lot of this back and forth like i we get it people think that marnie's a little crazy like we we get it like we don't need to show it 10 times and i'm I'm exaggerating it of course um so those were some of the the pacing i guess would be uh, an aspect of the film that i struggle with a little bit but i think that in the end the payoff is so It's great, which, to be honest, uh, some of these, uh, a lot of these Studio Ghibli films I find kind of fall apart in the end, or not necessarily fall apart, but they try to wrap so much up in the end, and I'm like, whoa, I kind of get whiplash, and this film didn't feel that way. This film felt like there was just, like, such a beautiful denouement, 
and a great conclusion. And so I loved that. How about you? Where does this sit for you? How do you, how do you approach this one? I think first time I saw it, I was kind of, I mean, I would have, I think I would have made an effort to see this at the movies. I think I enjoyed it like in terms of its um, visuals, but I think I found it a little bit slow, a little bit boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like not, not so different from um, uh, Yonabayashi's previous film, Arietti, which was sort of pretty, but like, I think that also had kind of pacing issues and sort of, there wasn't a lot of story to fill out the movie. So yeah, there was a lot of back and forth. But I think in the, this is the third time I've watched it, and I think I've enjoyed it the most this time. It's just, it's a very serious-minded film. There's no, like, I mean, you know, not that all the characters are very serious, but there's no, like, there's not, like, a comic relief necessarily. It's it's very, they take her very seriously. She's a very, very serious um, character. Like, she, you know, she's, from her first scene is basically her saying how much she hates herself. It was intense. Like, yeah, and it doesn't really, that doesn't, she doesn't really smile. She's not happy, really. I mean, beyond the Marnie scenes, which we sort of quickly cotton on to the fact that something's not quite right there. Beyond those scenes, she's not really happy until the discovery of who Marnie is in the last, like, five minutes. And then she's like, life is great now. I mean, good for her. But um, I think I appreciated more how seriously they took this character. And I was like, you know, is is this just like a puberty anxiety kind of thing? Or is it a sort of deeper seated depression? Is it some psychosis of some kind? I mean, obviously it doesn't really tell us exactly. Except obviously, you know, about halfway through the movie, she, she kind of admits that, no, she was just kind of like a daydream that I made up. Which I didn't, my original memory of this film was that we never really, un- like, there was kind of a mystery as to who this person was and whether she was there. I think this time I, this time around, it's like, oh, it's it's very obvious that there's nothing realistic about the scenes with Marnie actually there. There's some, there's some fantasy or something else happening. But the first time I was like, mm-hmm. it felt more of a sort of mystery. I was like, oh, what's happening? But I think there's enough of that to kind of, like I said, like there are pacing issues and it is kind of slow and there's not, you know, there aren't big set pieces of any kind. The set pieces are her going to Marnie and that's usually like rowing or having a picnic. They're the big set pieces. But the mystery of it is kind of, yeah, I mean, at some point you might get a bit bored by it, but that's, that's sort of enough to drag you along. And then at the end kind of really picks up and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a silly ending, but because the movie is so serious and takes itself so seriously, it's probably about as satisfying as it was going to be, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, like you said, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a pretty good ending for a Ghibli film. <laughs> I agree. And I think that, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of, I mean, we always talk about connections, but one of the biggest connections for me is like with my neighbor Totoro. I feel like here we have this young girl who really she's gone through a lot. Like, she doesn't know who she is. She was an orphan. She comes to find out that her parents get paid by the state. So she has this big complex in her mind that the only reason why they're taking care of her or the only reason why they chose her was because they get money. And so she's like clearly has a lot of issues in terms of mental health issues. 
in terms of anxiety, self-worth, self-esteem is absolutely a zero. And like you said, I just really love that they took the, all that super seriously. And I made the connections with Totoro because I feel like she was sent away to do something which was a catalyst for her to dissociate. Yeah. And and she completely dissociates. And that's why everyone's so worried about her. And she's waking up muddy in the outside, gone for hours on end. And I guess that's where I kind of tapped into this spirituality aspect of it. It was to me like Marnie was, is her guardian angel. It's her grandma. Like her grandma obviously left the earth too soon. She couldn't have been there for her. But I feel like for Marnie, for that character, it was more of, I have more work to do here because I messed up with my daughter and I made a promise to myself that I would take care of my granddaughter. Obviously I couldn't do that on the physical plane. And so that's kind of where I got, I got like emotional because there was this guardian angel aspect to me of like, she came to her in a a point in her life where a, she was barely, she's getting to a point where she can maybe understand things. So she's a teenager now and or close to being in her teens. And um, it's a perfect time for her to come and be like, you know, you're not alone in this world. And um, yeah, you've been dealt a raw deal, but there are like people looking after you. Hmm. Um, and I mean, what my favorite scene period, I mean, my favorite sequence period, and I know I'm kind of jumping in too soon, but it wow. kind of piggybacks on this, is um, the sequence where she's seeing the memories of Marnie's life and seeing the sequence of events. And like, I just thought it was done so well. It was, it was so cinematic of like having her there watching it play, but she obviously isn't there. I just thought that that was just a beautiful sequence for her to kind of, I don't know. She gets, she gets some resolution. She gets to, she gets to let go. That's interesting. Cause you were saying in the beginning about how you felt that spiritual connection. And I, I was going to ask, what that was for you because i didn't i didn't quite get what you meant but now that you've explained it yeah i i very much don't read the film in the same way probably because i i'm not a particularly spiritual person so your feeling is that there is something sort of you know if not fantastical you think that she is manifesting in some way to help and not just a figment of her imagination or you're saying it's like some area between I think that exactly. I think it's a gray area, and I think that I think that we. I'm not necessarily meaning that like, there that Barney was a ghost and she was on this island. Yeah. I'm more so meaning that like there are objects, there are things, and we as human beings might assign value to them, and we process them in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that for Marnie in this very tumultuous place, was able to process this in a certain way and kind of start to piece things together. She starts to talk to the woman that makes the paintings at the house. She finds a diary and all in all, like I think those are the moments to kind of help her get there. And then some of the aspect of spirituality is like, okay, maybe she then was touched by a spirit and her spirit helped show her these memories to help her piece things together. Totally. Um, I don't know. I, I like you mentioned, not too spiritual, but I am. I think that people, especially if people die when they don't want to, when they're not ready to die, or they have some unfinished business to do. I don't think it's so far-fetched. Well, I mean, there's no proof of it, so it could be completely far-fetched to you, but that they live on in places and things. And so the mansion was her mansion. Mm. And so, yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, she didn't know who Marnie was when she was thinking of this person. So there was something in her 
you know, you could, you know, you can make it a scientifically, you could say or some embedding sort of thing, but you know, there was something mm-hmm. from the stories that she read or she, there's some sort of sense memory of this person existing, even though obviously Anna has never met Marnie in this form at this age, there is something that is presenting Marnie to her, even though she's never seen this person mm-hmm. before, just through stories. Yeah. So there's definitely, there's a, there's a strong connection, whether it's sort of spiritual or mental or physical. Um, there is, there's definitely something there. Correct. Just on, she's like yeah. drawing her and stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just on Anna again, I, I think she's a very, she's painted and I think Ghibli usually does this pretty well. There's, it, they usually give their sort of teenage protagonists sort of enough shades for them not to be just sort of cutesy Disney protagonists. Like they can be sort of, you know, irritating or edgy or overly emotional the way teenagers or preteens or, you know, um, people going through puberty at that time can be. So I think it's a very, um, I do like how sort of seriously they took her and how they were willing to make her quite unlikable at times, mm-hmm. which is really like, not very nice to anybody like she's okay to like her uncle and auntie but even then like they're <laughs> you know she's off totally. they're like the most understanding well, people in the world she's off getting like falling asleep on the side of the road and they're like oh you're okay <laughs> i'd be like <laughs> i'd be like locking her in her room seriously um but they uh, yeah I, I, sorry. sorry i cut, cut you off uh but i think that you i couldn't agree more i think all of our favorite characters tend to be super complex there has to be an element of somebody that some that there just has to be an element of a character that's unlikable period or else it becomes fantastical if somebody's so perfect it's laughable it's like a perfect example is like you ever see that movie a walk to remember with mandy moore no i have not <laughs> i know well, what you mean yeah, oh, like spoiler one isn't it yeah spoiler alert like she dies she gets like leukemia and dies but like she's pre- i'm i'm bringing this up because they present this character as like just perfect this character is like the most lovable human being in the world there's nothing wrong with her she's not mean to anyone she's like a literal angel and then she gets leukemia and dies mm-hmm. and it's just it's laughable because it's not that's just not that's not those aren't people those aren't human beings yeah we all have aspects to our character that are going to be unlikable um and i think that's why we're drawn to like anti-heroes we love our like walter whites and our yeah. don drapers and stuff because anyhow tangent but i agree with you i love that she's not a Disney cutesy princessy, like, oh, perfect little angel girl that has some issues in her life and woe is me. I think that, yeah, if, if I was going through that stuff too, I'd probably be a dick to other people and or a little bit unlikable and irritable. But yeah, I mean, and she could also just be sort of designated to like a type, like, you know, the quirky introvert who draws mm-hmm. or something, which is definitely um, sort of never really play, played up as quirky in any real way. And I just like, you know, and she... I, I could relate to her in a lot of these situations. I mean, I'm not quite as introverted that, but as her. But I think at that age, like you know, every time she was like asked to hang around other kids and to sort of like talk to people, she would just like oh, like she'd like crawl into a like a little ball basically, and she would get like angry. That very you? that's me. That's me. That's the, I do that now. <laughs> it's like oh, we're going out. I was like no, oh my god. Um, and you know, she like without like barely a trigger she would like call that like other kid like a fat pig and i'm just like it's such a harsh moment but i'm like that's what people do when they're upset or they feel threatened yeah they lash out that way and i like that 
they made her so I think realistically unlikable in that sense. But again, I, I love how like the uncle and auntie are like, oh, you pro- that was a little bit harsh. You calling her a fat pig, but, <laughs> but like defending her a lot. I'm like, wow, you you're really nice to this kid who's like very troubled and <laughs> not a very good kid. I- <laughs> I agree. Well, uh, you you mentioned that uncle and aunt. Uh, there isn't there's a isn't there an, a a point in the movie too where they like tell her that her mom used to live here and that her spent so many like so much time here. I feel like in the beginning. I mean the um you mean her like her guardian mom. Um no. Uh, I assume they're the, referring to the guardian because they're oh, relatives okay. of her guardian of her. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You just you just took off a point then, didn't you? No, 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 no. I was just like that. To me, could also be like a subtle, like subconscious trigger for right. Even if even if it is was referring to her her guardian mother, even just kind of like saying that that's that's like a subtle subconscious thing that's in the back of your mind. Maybe she was just it could trigger something in her to start thinking about maybe well, who is my mother and what where did she spend her summers and blah blah. blah. Yeah. And I did like those those characters. There was sort of a a nice warmth to them in their house, and they had all these little like owl knickknacks that they'd make, and like they were, they were cute. You know, like, oh, they're nice. I'd like them to be my <laughs> uncle and auntie, and go off to the countryside and live by the swamp. <laughs> you know, quirky little uncle and auntie. Okay, I have a question for you. Did you get lesbian vibes? from their connection. Oh, 100%. Okay. I like, literally, I thought it was going to be like, a, I was like, ooh, Studio Ghibli. <laughs> and I think that, that then like, I mean, it's then, it feels weird to then think about it afterwards because you're like, oh, yeah. that was a grandmother and her <laughs> daughter. But I think that there was this, there was this, I don't know, this loving energy and this drawnness to each other. And they were both kids. And so I think mm. like, there's an aspect of like platonic love there. And I was reading it as like, love love maybe there's some sort of lesbian drama going here um like but it then it clicked for me towards the end i was like oh no this is a very platonic like friend young friend love and i had to remind myself yeah they're like 12 years old although studio julie loves to like hitch 12 year olds with you know old people, so. uh, i mean there's, <laughs> there's nothing in the film that suggests that she's not a lesbian i mean she could have been having those correct dealings and then be only then realize that oh no it's my grandmother and we have to admit her character is animated very androgynously yeah yeah she does have like yeah there's no like particular genderized anything to to uh to uh so yeah i found that interesting as well yeah i mean it's it's ambiguous enough i feel like it could be like a cult like lesbian film in the future you know like a cute mm-hmm. family lesbian drama. A wink. But yeah, a little I mean, incestuous lesbian drama for you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite subgenre of film. Uh, but yeah, there is also, we do have to take with sort of a grain of salt. I think maybe friendships at that age, especially made up ones. Um, she just wants someone who is hers, basically. She wants something Correct. for herself. And she wants someone who she can say, I love you. And for the other person to say, I love you too. And to be like, this is your safe space. She, you know, that's what she does. Mm-hmm. She goes and finds a safe space because she can't handle um, oh, yeah. the pretty okay world she's in at the moment. But yeah, she obviously she's getting away from the uncertainty of her relationship with her family, being a teenager, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So yeah, so it's 
It's ambiguous. Well, and like, it's like a, a love, love, or a mm, I just need someone to love me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think you hit the nail on the head right there. It's it's pining for unconditional love because she feels like her guardians only love her for money. Yeah. So she feels like no one loves her. Yeah, no one loves so her unconditionally. So you said you um, thought it was a very well animated film. What did you think of the visuals? You know me, I'm a sucker for any Studio Ghibli that involves water, which yeah. is pretty much all Studio Ghibli films. But I think that they really like, I think that they, they took it to like a another degree, at, like post Spirited Away. Like started in Spirited Away for me and every film since then has been very, just an, the waters have just been animated so well. And so obviously there's a lot of going back and forth in the, the tide. I loved that element of it too, this like this time of the day and the tide rolls in and the tide goes out um that kind of you know created the passage of i mean it created a distance between the characters which i thought was good um yeah just i loved it super beautiful i think my favorite shot since i already said my favorite sequence wow you really was, just get <laughs> you're just screwing hard in for it take on <laughs> was the one with um the shot where she's kind of like it was tumultuous times and she kind of gets like washed up onto the grassy knoll and she's looking up into the window and she sees marnie and marnie like busts open the window and um but like the grass waving with the wind and the little water around it i just loved that shot yeah there's a lot of beautiful shots um in that area i mean obviously they you know they chose sort of a visually interesting sort of spot but it's not it's still like a swamp kind of they didn't make it like a perfectly <laughs> beautiful location with like lots you know, a Miyazaki film would have thrown like a thousand wildflowers and stuff in there, but it's, <laughs> but it looks pretty naturalistic for the most part. It's mm-hmm. kind of going for sort of a pretty natural area. So I appreciated how they, they didn't just make it like, let's set this in the most beautiful lakeside town in Japan. It's kind of like, it's cute. There's, you know, it's a bit swampy. It's, you know, sometimes it's water, sometimes it's not. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of the visually interesting elements were to do with, the house slash um everything in front of it i agree did you how do you connect this either visually or in terms of the story or the quality to his other film arietti um ooh, interesting i liked the story more uh to be honest arietti is like one of the one one of the films that's like fleeting in my memory i mean i, I, I mean i remember it being the borrowers and aspects of that but like we kind of talked to him that they're not not much happens in that movie um but aria was super beautiful i think that this one's a little bit more toned down yeah in terms of i think he had a lot more to play with in arietti obviously because you know doing things larger than life on a small scale but i think that there was there was a lot of improvements made in terms of creating a story that felt more satisfying to me yeah that kind of had like like had like character arcs i feel like in this film and i could see this character being very different at the end than from the beginning i'm not yeah. saying that there was no character arcs in Arietti, but not as not as meaningful to me yeah this feels like a much richer film i mean both films are quite pared down in terms of characters and locations and things like that but this one feels very like this is our setting. This is our character. There's like maybe a couple characters on the side, but we're just going to focus in on um, this character and her mindset and sort of take that story to where it's going to go. 
One last question before we get to like the what well, you've already done your favorite shots and whatnot. But before we score and get to the end of it, as the story as sort of like a mystery. What what did you think was happening when you were watching? Like where where was your mind going? What what did you think Marnie was? And like I'm just curious. I thought that um I thought that Marnie was we, we kind of hit it in terms of I thought that there was a pining for love from Anna because she just didn't feel like she was love. And I felt like she was, I felt like she was creating this all up in her mind. It wasn't until the end where I was like, Oh, there's like an aspect of spirituality for me. Um, But I thought it was a way for her to escape. And that's why I kind of, I hop onto my neighbor Totoro where I felt like Totoro was this character that the, the, the girls created in their mind to help them, help them in a time where the, their mother was so sick. But they didn't really know what was going on. They knew something was serious. And so it was a way in which they could cope with that childhood trauma. I feel like this was like that, but a little bit more pushed into adolescence. It was was her going to a place rather than a creature coming to her and her uh, visualizing that in her mind. It was her going to um, getting away from everyone and then experiencing and going through her own grief and trauma and trying to come to terms with it. Um, and I literally, that's all I thought it was going to be. I didn't think that I didn't, I didn't think that Marnie was real until like, Oh, there's a diary and all that. And there were certain things like that, that I was like, Oh, and then when she started talking to the lady who's painting pictures and stuff, yeah. um, I thought that that was interesting, but yeah, that was my first thought of this. How about you? I'm trying to remember back in the day, back in 2014. Oh, what a time. Um, <laughs> I think. I mean, I'm also not someone who sort of intellectualizes films as I watch it. You know, like, you know, you, you know those people you sit next to and it's like, this is going to happen because this is this person is this person. I'm, I'm someone who's like, I'm not going to think about it. I mean, you know, obviously you're thinking about these things as you're watching, but I'm always like, let's see where the film is going to take me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just sort of go along for the ride. But as I said, I, th- I think my memory of the film was that I it was more of a mystery as to whether she was or wasn't there. But... I think it's, I mean, obviously it's easy to say as someone who has watched it before and knows what's going to happen, but it felt a lot more like, okay, these scenes are definitely not in the same world as the real world. But I mean, you know, that that could be a lot of things. It could mean she's a ghost. It could mean Mm -hmm. she's a memory. It could mean she's walked through some kind of portal and she's in a different world when she goes or, you know, during the day it's something and during night she comes out, you know, there could have been a whole bunch of explanations. Um, but even right. though I think you know, it doesn't really make sense, the ending, like it kind of, it, it sort of pulls everything together nicely. So I do like that. Did you have any more shots or sequences you want you wanted to highlight? No, those were big ones and I kind of talked about the water, which was exciting anytime that she was like going back to that. I will say... Another one that kind of comes to my mind is when she kind of goes back to the water. I think that's one of the first times she goes over to the mansion and she sees the like the the candle in the in the boat. Mm-hmm. I thought that was beautiful. She's like, "Oh, I left it for you, so you could come over." I was like, "Oh, that was I liked that." How about you? Um, I think you mentioned the shot of her. Sort of, it was like, I mean, again, they're all kind of like dream sequences, but there's sort of a storm, and she was sort of stuck on that kind of island of grass. And like Marnie was like sort of trying to get out to talk to her. And then there's like a weird, like an interesting moment where the sun sort of rises over her and like everything sort of like lights up 
um, mm-hmm. like pretty immediately. That was a beautiful shot. Um, the shot of Marnie sort of, no, of when she sort of meets Marnie for the first time, it's like a point of view shot of Anna sort of on the boat coming in and sort of Marnie sort of running down towards her. That's a very sort of pretty shot. Sequence wise, um, there's a really pretty scene when they're on the rowboat and it's sort of, it's like sunset and then Marnie just like for some reasons stands up and sort of like the wind is sort of going through her hair and the camera sort of is sort of far away and it's sort of a wide shot of all that. It's a very pretty shot. Um, my favorite sequence on top of that one is probably, I liked the the party that they had, like the old timey party. It felt oh, like yeah. a fun place to be, but also I could feel... The great Gatsby. Yeah. I could feel that sort of awkwardness, the teenage awkwardness of her not really wanting to be there, but also being intrigued by the adult world. But then also like there's a scene where they go and like, I don't remember if it's the same one, where she like throws a blanket over her like grandmother who she hates <laughs> and then like locks her in the room. I'm like, that's so random, but I love this scene. <laughs> I enjoyed all that stuff. I mean, and that sort of, those scenes were important for sort of bonding the two girls as well. So maybe that's my favorite one. What do you think my rating was out of scene? Um, I bet you gave it a 7.5. How do you know? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at you. Your scale is harder to tell because you don't just give two scores in succession. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm, 6.5? You you got it done on. Did job. it? Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. But, okay, so not, not a 10 you? because you thought it had pacing issues? Like, what were the detracting points? Yeah. Um, 6.5 because I liked the story that it told, and I thought that it, they did a, a very good – I'd give it a B grade at, at, like, telling the story. There were some pacing issues. Um, it kind of comes down into a lower echelon for me because it's just not one that I would want to really watch again. Mm. It's kind of, I enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed the characters. They had an arc. There was an emotional impact for me. Um, but I don't ever see myself pining to be like, oh, I need to watch Anna hang out with Marnie again. Yeah. You know? So 6.5. It did its job. It's a serious movie about serious people <laughs> doing serious things. Mm-hmm. Um well, um, before we finish, um, we've discussed some connections you sort of related to My Neighbor Totoro. I mean, you can kind of, even though this doesn't like necessarily feel, you know, totally like any other film that they've done, there, I mean, I just, I started writing down lists of ones that um, it reminded me of and it just sort of kind of kept growing and growing. But yeah, um, Totoro is definitely on there, that escaping to the countryside and then having also that fantastical element. Mm-hmm. Even like the in like a spirited away kind of way, the mm-hmm. like when your hero sort of crosses the lake and enters sort of the fantasy world, there's kind of a similar um, like through the tunnel kind of vibe um, with her s- sequences in near the old mansion and near the swamp. I have that I kind agree. of vibe. I mean, obviously, and she's another young female protagonist. So, um, and then I had I, only yesterday. Sorry, well, yeah, and, and that was the last one. Um, it, mm-hmm. it starts pretty similar to Only Yesterday in the sense that, um, that, you know, like a city girl going out to the country to stay with relatives. I mean, there's a lot of similar stuff there. Obviously, mm-hmm. the... That and the, the aspect of, like, I know I know the whole film wasn't uh, interested in, like, flashbacks, but even just the end, that one sequence mm-hmm. of, like... That's true. There's some flashbacks to, like, even though... Yeah, 
so I don't know. That kind of made me feel as like, ooh, there's like a little bit of a connection here of like, I don't know, not necessarily remembering, but like being shown through some sort of flashback sequence of like what your life was or what your your uh, your grandparents' lives were. Yeah, no, I definitely see that. Well, I think that's the end of our discussion of when Marnie was there, which is it's an awkward title, isn't it? Like, like yeah. what does that mean? If you didn't, I mean, obviously you get it once you've finished watching it, but it's like when Marnie was there, it's like you always think you're saying one of the words wrong. Like, uh-huh. I always want to say like, when Marnie was here. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> which you could also call it. It's the same thing. <laughs> I mean, they're the same thing. Anyway. Um, I'll chat to you next time when we do our 2010s retrospective. See ya. Bye.